podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Zero Pucks Given, the UK ice hockey podcast. We are in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet, the charity fighting knife crime with ice skating all across the UK. And we are in partnership with Hockey Art Co., the clothing company for you hockey fans. Worn by the best, hated by the rest. Zero Pucks Given listeners get a 10% discount on everything on the Hockey Art Co. website. If you enter the code ZP10 upon checkout, you'll get your discount on anything that you like from their website. So go there and check it out once you finish listening to this, of course. This is episode 45. This is a special edition episode. So we've got no real other news of what's going on in British hockey. We've just got a special guest for you this evening. I'm absolutely honoured and delighted to be joined by another member of the Mighty Ducks alumni. Uh, I'm a massive Mighty Ducks fan. I know some of you guys are as well. Um, so I really enjoyed last year speaking to Matt Dougherty. We had a great time together. And tonight I am joined by another member of this crew. Uh, he joined the cast in D2 as one of the new ducks for the Team USA and stayed on for D3 when they went to that uh, that grubby college together. Um, I'm so delighted to introduce Justin Wong, who played Ken Wu. Zero Pucks Given in partnership with Blades Belong on Your Feet and the Hockey Art Co. are delighted and honoured to present Justin Wong. How are you doing today, sir? Nice to be here yourself. I'm doing really well, really well. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a long time coming. I think we spoke a few months ago about trying to set something up. And uh, Yeah, we did. And obviously I, I spoke to Matt Dougherty, uh, Matt Dougherty rather, last year. Um, and he, oh, yeah? He, yeah, he, he told me that You'd be up for it, and you were just the nicest guy. So, I, I plumped for awesome. it. <laughs> I could say the exact same thing about him. Like Matt's really awesome. We're good friends. Yeah, he's he's terrific. I had such a good time with him, um, and we, we we sort of talk every sort of month or so over email, just sort of checking in. Um, mm-hmm. He keeps thre- he keeps threatening to come over and watch his football team over here. Um, so I've told him no, if he does, I'll, uh, Tottenham Hotspur in in the British Premier oh, yeah. League. So I've said. If he- <laughs> If he comes over to watch that, I will take him to watch uh, my local ice hockey team as well. <laughs> so, uh, st- starting off, mate, the, uh, the sort of the first irony of your your Mighty Ducks casting and playing for Team USA is is a lot like some of your castmates. You're actually Canadian. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was Canadian. I am Canadian. I was and, Canadian. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing because like uh i know like josh is canadian as well um so yeah it's pretty cool how far they reached out um to cast like kids like all over north america so it's 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 pretty cool like like we were all from all over the place like people from like new jersey and new york and california and stuff like that and it's pretty cool that they searched in vancouver because obviously there's like we're hollywood north and they know there's actors up here so yeah yeah, they uh they uh, they spread their arms out and uh, and welcomed us all. <laughs> well, I mean, how did you get the role? Because the first film we know was kind of uh, not so much a secret, but they were just kind of trying to get some some kids together that had not been in anything before, and and to try and sort of make it happen. But obviously, because the first one was so popular, they then made the second one. Was it like an open casting? Um, so for a long time, I think I've been telling the story wrong. <laughs> and then I found my mom what happened. Uh, but what, so from what I understand is like, I was in youth theater uh, when I was like uh, 10 or 11. And I believe the story is the owner of the youth theater told my mom that there was this part in some sort of movie or series or something. And then 
and it wasn't the Mighty Ducks. Uh, so that got my mom to call my agent at the time and just ask, hey, we heard about this uh, audition that they're looking for for someone to fill this role for this part. And then my agent actually replied by saying, yes, we heard about that. But what we do have instead, which is slightly better, is that they're looking for Ken Wu for the Mighty Ducks 2. And then I think, I believe it was that evening, we, I went into my agent's office and had a reader coach in there with me. And we filmed a tape. It was probably on VHS uh, <laughs> with a one of those big uh, camcorders. And then we sent it off. And then next thing I know, well, not I don't know how long the timing was, but like all of a sudden I was called down for a screen test. Yeah. And like, I had no idea what a screen test was. Cause like um, previously all my auditions were like kind of for commercials where you go in and you might get a call back and then they ask you to do the part, you do the commercial job's done where screen tests, they actually flew me down to LA and we, they actually had a set built and everything on a stage and they actually filmed us. And the interesting thing is like for all the new ducks, so Luis, Dwayne, Portman, and Julie, and me, I think the four of them had one or two other people down there for the screen test to read um, on, on set, where I just, I was just like, there's no other Ken Wu's here. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, that's interesting. So then uh, I just flew back home. And then uh, next thing I know, I, I think I, from my memory, I got a phone call and it was my agent. And I think she just said, you got the part. And then I don't know if I hung up the phone properly or anything, but I just started <laughs> like, jumping around the house, like super excited. So, and that's, that's how I got the part. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. That's I mean, I couldn't possibly imagine what it's like being, I mean, what were you at the time? 12, 13? Yeah, I was 12 for uh, for D2 and I believe 14 for D3. Yeah, you know, what an astonishing thing to, I mean, you've joined the Disney family and and, yeah. and getting having done commercials before, getting that sort of reach to a movie. Yeah, I mean, like just going down the screen test, I, I was just happy enough to do that because I got to meet like Josh and, and Eldon and all the guys right there. And I was like, just so starstruck. I was like, sweet, this is awesome. If I don't get the part, this is just already been an awesome experience were you a fan of the original film then yeah i believe i've got it yeah definitely because it was i mean it was a hockey movie and i live in canada so it's like yeah let's go see this hockey movie and i went with my <laughs> friend um down to the movie theater you know back in the day when they only had two theaters in each movie theater um yeah so yeah i definitely saw the movie and i definitely enjoyed it yeah so joining in obviously day two the, a lot of that cast was already assembled um, and had probably already sort of formed some close bonds. Did you find it was mirroring the film that the new Ducks had kind of created a group and the old Ducks were in a group or did everyone just blend in? Uh, I believe we all blended in because um, like basically for the first, I think, two months, I don't know, like time time was different for me back then. Maybe it was only a month, but like we had hockey camp for like maybe a month and a half. Um, So like through most sports, people bond. Uh, So yeah, we, we were friends right away. I think what we would do is we would have hockey in the morning and then we would have to do our three hours of required school. And then I think we would hit the ice again or do some sort of dry land training. Um, but yeah, just because of all that, even before we're filming, we just had a month of that. And then we, we just became friends right away. Um, and uh, yeah, everybody was just like super welcoming and super nice. And, I mean, as much as kids are, but like nobody yeah. was ever like, mean to each other or like, no, there weren't like little groups. Everybody just kind of hung out together and did their thing. You can see, actually, I've, I mean, I've just actually been watching D2 today just as a, like a refresher. Um, the chemistry mm-hmm. between you all is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun cast to be part of. So uh, obviously being being Canadian, I take it you could already skate 
and probably play hockey to some sort of level before you before you did this? Yeah, I mean, I always wondered if that's why I got the part. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I, I like uh, I had played since I was ten years old, so I had been playing for two years uh, before that. And like I always wanted to play hockey. I think I bothered my parents for about three years before they actually had either the time or the income to put me through hockey or um but yeah like basically from grade one one of my closest friends had played hockey for a long time and I guess in grade one you're like six or seven and then finally by the age of 10 I managed to convince my parents like finally I want to go play and then like we just went down to like the used hockey store and bought a bunch of used equipment um and then I just went on the ice and like I don't think I really knew how to play I mean like I, I went skating with friends so I knew how to skate a little bit uh, but it was like the first time I ever put on like equipment on the ice I'm not even sure if I had all the right equipment I don't I didn't have a jersey I remember putting on like a sweatshirt like an actual like Club Monaco sweatshirt I don't know if you have Club Monaco over there in <laughs> yeah the UK, I've, but I've it, seen it yeah yeah but it's just like it's like oh shit I don't have a jersey and it's like well just put this on and then yeah and then they call it tryouts but really like at that age it's just like skate around and they just separate you into groups and then you form your teams and stuff like that so yeah I've been playing for two years and it was interesting um uh showing up to that camp and like I believe well obviously the all the ducks from the first movie they knew how to skate already so they were already pretty good and then um but obviously like um Mike, Vitar, Aaron, uh, Cologne, and Keenan. I didn't know how to skate at all, so um, it was it was interesting watching them learn. Yeah, and it was fun. Like you know, like it was like the hockey camps that I did as I was a kid. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's it's um, it doesn't get much more fun actually than being with your friends on ice with knives on your shoes. It just yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 makes it makes it far more interesting. Um, yeah. After D two and D three, you appeared briefly in a TV series called Millennium. Um, yes. But other than that, your your cameo in the um, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers with um, with Matt, Marguerite, Eldon, uh, Garrett, and Vincent was sort of the only other real acting you've done. But you've I mean, to see people that are watching on YouTube can see behind you that music and art is is a massive part of your life now. Photography, yeah. and I believe you're a live sound engineer as well. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I I stepped away from it for, I guess, quite some time, like almost 20 plus years. Um, yeah, it's just um, like by the time you, I turned maybe 16 or so, I think like after Millennium, I, I was going out for auditions and stuff like that. And I think um, it turned into a point where I wasn't training to be an actor anymore. I was just kind of like going out to auditions and just kind of going through the motions and obviously like when you're when you're a kid sometimes a lot of that stuff comes naturally just acting you're just acting as a kid you're acting as yourself um but then as you get older you're not as cute anymore I guess <laughs> and you, you Matt speak. said the same thing actually Matt said that you know once he'd stopped being the cute funny little redhead kid it was difficult yeah Exactly. So then you actually have to like, you know, start learning the craft and kind of understanding the processes that, that the amazing talented actors go through. Um, and so then, and then the, it's also the, the kind of, it's, I don't, I want to call it the popularity, but just kind of like that notoriety of like walking into high school and everybody's, Hey, that's the Mighty Ducks kid, that sort of stuff. That kind of, I guess kind of got to me. Like I just wanted to live like a normal kid lifestyle. So like I never, the friends that I didn't make, they never really talked about it. I never really talked about it. And it was just like, Hey, I get to live this normal life. Yeah. Um, it's not that I didn't appreciate it. Like maybe I didn't appreciate it as much at the time, but as I got older, um, I was just more appreciated, pre appreciative of the experience, but Hey, I'm just moving on with my life. I'll just, uh, go to school and go to college. And, uh, and then that led into my audio career, um, yeah. which uh, I kind of just fell into that because I think my, my mom bought my dad a guitar one day 
uh, I think for Christmas. And then I just started playing it instead. It became my guitar. Um, <laughs> and then I started recording myself like terrible music. Um, but like, I, I believe my, my first method of multi-tracking um, was uh, I would record with my parents karaoke mics plugged into a stereo so it had two tape decks so yeah. i record onto one i record my guitar and then i would play it in the second tape deck put a microphone on the speaker and then another microphone on the guitar and then so i could add layers but the funny thing is the second tape deck played a little slower so every single time i wanted to add another instrument i had it down tune just a little bit because it because it was slower it would change the the pitch of it a little bit yeah um and then eventually, like, I got, like, a little four-track tape machine and stuff like that. And then I think they were running ads, like, at the local movie theater about, like, a school that taught audio. So then my parents just came home with, like, a pamphlet. Apparently, they went to the school without me to check it out. And then <laughs> so then I went to audio school. And then that's how I learned how to record properly, like, with, like, with actual studio gear. And then I went... I actually lived in Liverpool for two years. I went to the Liverpool Institute of Foreign Arts after my yeah. first year here and got my degree and then came home. And then I started working in a bunch of studios, owned a studio. And then now mostly I do live audio. How did you find the accent living in Liverpool? Uh, it was, you know, the first thing that tripped me up was hearing you all right. Yeah. Like, I was like, I looked at the... I, What's the popular Italian kind of like spaghetti kind of franchise restaurant down there? I forget the name of it. Um, but it was like, I had my luggage with me. I had, I just got off the train. I think I landed in Manchester. Hmm. And then I took the train up and I was like super lost. I had no idea where to go, but I was just starving. So I just found Prete Mange. Uh, no, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You probably wouldn't get a pasta in there. No. <laughs> yeah. But, uh Anyways, I sat down and then the waitress just said, you all right? And I kind of like looked at her and it's like, yeah, I'm, I am pretty tired looking. I probably don't look great, but it was just a trip. It's like, am I, do I not look all right? <laughs> but then, I yeah, I, mean, I got used to the accent after a while. Like, I mean, like the, the strong Scally accent was a bit hard, but the Scouse accent I got, yeah, I got pretty used to after a while. Uh, I have worked up there uh, over the years, and it, they are just like the friendliest people, the Scousers. Uh, yeah. They are incredibly yeah. friendly and welcoming. So, yes. um, doing the live audio, then, have you done any good bands live audio wise? Uh, I mean, like, uh, my where I work right now, I'm the front of house tech, and mostly it's a 1300 cap room. So, the tours that come through there, they all have their own techs. So, I'm just there to facilitate. Um, the venue to the techs that come in. So basically I, I make sure the PA is working properly for them. I plug them into the PA. I get the, I help get their stage going. Um, but when it comes to acts that I've had the opportunity to work with, like I did a one-off for um, what's the name of the, what's the lead singer of the strokes? Uh, Julian uh, Casablanca's. Yes. Like, so he had his kind of like a side project where it's kind of like a noise rock man. So uh, he did a one-off in uh, a festival called Rifflandia in Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island. And they were just looking for a monitor tech and they, they didn't have one flying with them. So they're just like, okay, we'll search locally. And then I just got a call from uh, one of my clients and he's like, hey, you want to help do monitors for this band so i'm like yeah for sure i'd love to do uh, monitors for julian castle so went over there we did a rehearsal um in some warehouse somewhere and then did the show so that that was one cool thing i remember um after the show he gave me the hug like i barely talked to the guy I talked to him a little bit and stuff like that but like for the most part you just kind of like set up run the show and you go uh but it's super nice his band was super nice and uh and that was a lot of fun uh i've mixed whatever recently i mixed uh whatever rent form of boney m oh right there is i think they have a couple bands going around and like each one has like one uh original member or one original <laughs> singer or something like that. so they they do tour but uh um but i got to mix them which was pretty cool and 
like I've done, there's a lot of lower level acts that I've done monitors for. Like, so I don't know if you know, but monitors is basically I helped uh, set up the, the, I help the musicians hear what they're playing on stage. Mm. So like all the speakers that are on stage facing them, I yeah. make sure they got, they got what they want. And there's just like a, a lot of cool bands. Like, um, I don't know if you know, like, uh, I think my favorite would be, um, a band called Kiko Gakko Moyo is a oh. Japanese frog rock psychedelic band. Yeah. Uh, they, they kind of like have, like they like a lot of cool like Jimi Hendrix style guitar with also like sitar and stuff like that. There's rarely it's mostly instrumental, and when they do have vocals, they're kind of just repetitive that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a band called Mill and Colin, which I got to mix monitors for. Yeah. I've heard um, of yeah. Yeah. So it's just like yeah. So for the most part, I've worked with the crews of a lot of cool bands but not directly for the bands um so that's that's pretty much what i do yeah that's still it's a great environment to be in actually i, I used to work in music venue back when i was about 18 um yeah ma mainly on the bar but I, I used to be in a band as well we we did um did a couple of uk tours only like sort of small stuff did a few gigs yeah. with um enter shikari who are quite quite popular uh, yeah. over here um, but yes, that's a great, great, it's a great lifestyle. If you don't mind staying up late and uh, having your ears yeah. blasted, it's a really great lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, like we just had Chromio. I don't know if you know who they are. Yeah. That um, rings a bell, actually. That really does ring a bell. I think my daughter might yeah, be listening to that. <laughs> like if you're into Daft Punk, you'd probably like Chromio. That sort of thing is kind of like produced, uh, produce cool like dancey beats with like guitar over it and stuff like that yeah and yeah so that was like a 16 hour day we loaded in at 9 30 and we're outdoor by 1 a.m so yeah it's long days um long nights and uh i try to save my ears as much as possible i never really watch the entire show i'll stick around and make sure the the front of house tech is okay for the start of the show and then i'll i'll hang out somewhere else or yeah. I'll, if i do watch i'll make sure i have earplugs in and stuff like that yeah because it can be it can be really damaging, can't it, to be around it all the time? Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the front of house engineer as well. Sometimes some mix pretty loud and some mix pretty comfortably. So lovely. But uh back onto the to the films. I asked this of Matt when when we spoke. Um, how did you find the the adult actors on set? Were they were they quite quite helpful in trying to sort of like G everybody on to perform? Obviously, you had in, in D2 still Emilio Estevez. Uh, Catherine Irby as well, fantastic actress. And, um, and then obviously in D3, you had um, Jeffrey Nordling as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're 12 and 14 years old and you're not thinking about the process, uh, I don't, like, they were just great to work with. Um, I don't I don't think I was mature enough to seek out advice or had any plans like, yeah, I want to do this as a living. I want to, you know, talk to Emilio and Catherine and, and Jeffrey about like what their processes are, how I could continue this career. So I didn't really get any advice with them. It was just like, just like, just work with them and just like do what I was naturally doing as a kid with them. So yeah, I want to say, um, I want to say I was getting like advice or guidance from them or anything. It was just kind of like, just working together and having fun for the most yeah. part. And I, I think when you're having fun, you forget about that stuff. Like the work yeah. and it's just, it just turns out the way it is. I always think that was probably quite nice for them actually, where they could be a little bit more relaxed and, and just yeah. as you say, ha have some fun with it. Um, yeah. There's going to be loads of different talking points on this and there's going to be reasons why and wherefore, but for you, coach Bombay or coach Orion? I think coach Bombay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I mean, if it was real hockey, like real hockey, I think it would be Coach Orion because, you yeah. know, defense first. Like, I think that's – if you watch the NHL, it's defense. Like, the successful teams are defense first. Yeah. And you create offense through defense. Um, where, <laughs> where Coach Bombay, it's a little more – magic yeah 
which necessarily won't work in the real world, but it's more fun. So like, if you want the fun, you would go coach Bombay. If you want boring structured hockey, which, you know, is still entertaining, uh, then you go coach Orion. <laughs> yeah. I, that, uh, that varsity game in D3 might be the only ever one nil game of hockey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting um, how in D3 they brought that whole defense structure in and like, yeah, that's actually how you should play hockey. Like the flying bee is not going to work. You'll no. go offside every single time. Every like, time. You yeah. Watch, yeah, they went offside, I think, every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, out, out of all the jerseys that you got to wear there, I, mean, I, I, I will ask in a minute how much memorabilia you've got stolen or otherwise, but... Have you got a favorite jersey out of all the Ducks ones, be it the, the District 5 one, the, the classic white one with the purple and the green, or the uh, the Warriors one? Um, if I were to... If I were to rank them, I think I would... Hmm, it's, a, it's a good tie between the District 5 and the Anna, the original Anaheim hmm. uh, Ducks jersey. But I think the like just because it's the first jersey that Ken Wu got to wear. Well, obviously you got to wear the USA jersey, but you first. can't say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little tricky. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I would say the the original uh, Anaheim Ducks jersey with the triangle and the Ducks mask. I think it's just a really cool jersey uh, with the Ducks mask, and it's simple with the hockey cross sticks and stuff like that. Steve, yeah. I mean, all Korea wore it. Solani wore it, um, and they won their Anaheim won their first cup in that jersey. Um, and then, like, it's a funny thing, it's like I, I always just like never really cared about the USA jersey, but then, like, over time, like, I think my friend who's a who's a jersey collector, he was just like, That USA jersey is awesome, yeah. And then I was like, You know what, yeah. It is. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so then, yeah, it's quite I well designed. Like, yeah, I took it out of storage, and now it's in my closet upstairs. So yeah, I think I think I would go first with the Anaheim jersey, and then the District Five Team USA, and then the Warriors, and then there is also the Warriors colors with the Ducks logo on it. I yeah, mean, I think I've seen that. I have seen that around. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I would I would go in that order. Yeah, that original Anaheim jersey is just one of my. I mean, even I'm a Leafs guy. Um, I, I I collect hats, so I've got this one sort of yeah. especially for for these evenings. But yeah, that's just yeah. one of the most iconic ice hockey jerseys of all time. That original Anaheim jersey. Yeah, and it's. Um, Did you just say you're a Leafs fan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one year. Well, they got past the second round, the first round last year. Like you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's baby steps. Hope, hopes were raised last year, very much so. Yeah, now yeah. unfortunately, ironically, I've always got had a soft spot for the Ducks, obviously from the films. Um, yeah. But I, I went to Anaheim in 1995, and it was all yeah. just kind of like kicking off. So yeah, I've always had a soft spot. But I, I was in Toronto in 2002, and I went to see ice hockey, professional ice hockey, for the first time. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck with them. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like you... one thing I could say about Toronto fans, other than, well, the one thing I could say is like, if anybody knows as much pain that the Canucks fans go through, it'd probably be the Toronto fans. <laughs> Cause there's just, there's just so much disappointment and just not winning the cup. Well, for Canucks fans, not winning the cup ever. And then like for the last eight years, this constant rebuild that the Canucks have been going through, but then just the huge drought that the Maple Leafs have gone through. And like, even though they have a great team just for like five years, couldn't get out of that first round. Yeah, and then when they, they do, yeah, it's and just like the, and then the way they would lose those first rounds was just like, heartbreaking <laughs> you know yeah. like it's just so yeah, yeah so there's that there's that other than like Toronto fans hating Canucks fans Canucks fans hating Toronto fans there's still that common ground of just like pure heartbreak <laughs> yeah I don't take part in any of that Canadian tribalism but, but being yeah. a 
Yeah, being a Brit leaf, I've, I have no issue with anyone else in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you you mentioned the Canucks there. I've got a few um a few listener questions, and yeah. uh, Maxine Stock, who's a Chelmsford Chieftains fan, which is the team that I follow in in the UK, she's asked, yeah. um, "Do you follow an NHL team?" Which we've discussed. You are a Canucks fan. Yeah. Um, do you go regularly? And and when was the last time you managed to see the Ducks? Um, the last time I saw the Ducks was actually with my nephew. I think maybe not last season, but the season before uh, Vancouver played them. So obviously my my nephew also being a Mighty Ducks fan, he's like, yeah, let's go. So my sister buys season packs, like not season, full season tickets, but like she gets like maybe 20 games or something like that um, or 15 games. And like she had Anaheim on them. So I went with my nephew. We both wore our district five jerseys. Right. Um, with Wu on the back. Uh, and so, yeah, we went to watch that. And I I have a bunch of friends that work at Rogers Arena. So um, we got to go up to uh, the lighting booth and stuff and watch a period from there. And it was pretty cool. Um, but I think because my sister has uh, a few game packs, I go at least once or twice a year. But mostly I just uh, watch from home on TV and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a pretty big Canucks fan. Oh, ever since 2011, I've... I've learned to not be so emotionally invested. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult, just like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I could. It's a lot easier for me to see them lose and just turn off the television and go on with my day. Where before it would actually like put me in a mood. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, let's. There's no. It's just hockey. There's no need to do that anymore. To like cry over a hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, my my daughter's ended up Canucks as well. Um, she, she's not. Oh, yeah. My, yeah, she's. So someone went out to Vancouver and, and in a charity shop found this amazing retro Canucks jersey. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's from I think it's from like the sixties. It's it's amazing, um, and I gave it to her as a present. And and I said, well, that's the first bit of NHL memorabilia you've got. So that's your team. You, you're was stuck it, with them. Uh, was it a blue one with uh, with like the stick and rink the logo? Uh, no, it's a dark blue one with sort of grey shoulders, and it just says Canucks across the middle of it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't think it's in this. Room. Most of my sports memorabilia is in this room, but I don't think it's in yeah. there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, m- many more years of pain to come, I'm sure, before before it turns good in Canada. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, have you got uh, much sort of ducks memorabilia, as, as I said earlier, stolen or otherwise? Because I know, uh, I know, Matt said um, after the second film, we got a little bit more brave and was starting to sort of take the odd thing. <laughs> Yeah, like, so I don't know if it was stolen. Like, I didn't personally steal them, but I think my mom somehow got them. I don't know if she properly asked for them or just, like, shoved them into her suitcase. But, yeah, I do have I do have a ton of – I must have, like, three or four Anaheim, like, the original um, D2 Anaheim Ducks jerseys. Mm. And I got the USA jersey with, uh, with the Hendricks sponsor on the side. I've got uh, – I've got a District 5 jersey sent from the the time we went down to the Anaheim 25th anniversary because they gave it to all, all to us. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I got I got the I got the Warriors color jersey. I believe it's got the Ducks logo on it and not the Warriors logo. Um the Ducks logo. Um and I I mean I got I got Ken Wu's stick uh from D2. I've got I've got a commonwealth puck which just has like sticker on it that has worn off uh and then i got like a plastic like the plastic goalie mask as well and it's like signed by everybody i also had two jerseys that was signed by everybody but i donated them to my high school uh to uh for an auction to uh to raise money for charity and stuff like that uh and then other than that i just got a bunch of photos and stuff like that that's all that's all i could think of at the moment yeah, no, that's brilliant. The um, yeah, the thing with all that memorabilia is it's it's kind of it's it's only worth something to someone who wants to really pay for it, isn't it? Whereas to you, it's it's sentimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think like I don't think I would ever like put them on eBay or anything. Like it's no, it's no. worth much more than whatever people would pay for it. I haven't actually checked like how much would someone be willing 
to pay for a Ken Wu worn jersey from yeah. D2. I wouldn't <laughs> like, check I no it. Idea. I wouldn't check if I was you, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. The funny thing is, I think uh, another podcast I did, people were able to find a bunch of the USA jerseys, but for some reason, the studio took the Hendrix logo off of it. Oh, really? Yeah, like maybe they used it for another movie or something like that. But like, yeah, the Hendrix logo, like they have the jersey, but the Hendrix logo had been taken off. Corporate Hollywood, hey? Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um With the Mighty Ducks Game Changers then, did they give you all new jerseys for that? Because Adidas recently did, they, they redid the Ducks jersey and the Hawks jersey um, from the originals. And they did like uh, signature Adidas trainers in the color schemes and stuff. So did they give you new ones to go on the Game Changers? Uh, no, they didn't. I asked and they said no, but I wasn't, I was like, whatever, I already got one. That's because um, ironic, ironically, in the films, you actually never played in that jersey, did you? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, Ken <laughs> District 5 jersey and he's never worn it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it, it, if, if I didn't already have one, I probably would have tried harder to get it. But mm. since, uh, since Anaheim gave it to me, I was just, yeah, and I don't need it. He's just, yeah. uh, just going to take up more room. And like I, and I don't know if there was any subtle differences to it that was worth uh, keeping it or not. But uh, but yeah, I did ask, and they said no. We got to put it into storage just in case we got to use it again. That sort of thing. Yeah. How was the cameo on Game Changers? Was it sort of? Did you guys all meet up before, or did you just all turn up to do the show? And it was like old times. Um, so the 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 thing about that one was it was during COVID. So Garrett, Vinny, Matt, Marguerite, and Eldon, they had to stay in a hotel that's like 10 minutes away from me for two weeks before they could actually come out. Um, and then the closest contact before actually filming that I got to do was I dropped off one of my acoustic guitars at Matt's door in the hotel so that and then I was like okay and I texted and I was like okay it's there but like we couldn't <laughs> actually see each other it's like and he's and he randomly also asked for like I think some garlic <laughs> some dish soap and a kitchen knife <laughs> so I dropped that all off to him he's like, um, like the perfect chef serial killer yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um but then uh, I think I think we had a couple of days after they were done their quarantine and me and Matt were able to go like on, I think we went on a couple of hikes or something like that. Just things where there weren't a lot of people around so that we wouldn't get ourselves sick. Cause that would be like really um, detrimental to being able to film out here. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was great seeing each other again. I think uh, the first time I saw Eldon and Vinny and Garrett was like, we all had a day to just like get back on the ice and skate a little bit. So I saw him that day and then we had our wardrobe fittings and stuff like that. And then, and then, uh, and then, yeah, we just started filming. Yeah. And it was a good, like, uh, I think we did four days or something like that. Yeah. It was through the episode itself was actually terrific. It was a, it was a great tone to sort of mirror the yeah. first film to sort of see yeah. what, had, what had happened. The basically the ducks had become the Hawks spoiler alert for no, no one had seen it, but yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, like, I really enjoyed how the episode was like it was it was like kind of the turning point of the series for bomb coach bombay it it made him realize that hey hockey is still important to him yeah yeah which i mean for people especially people over here as well the fans of it obviously it's not a massive sport over here it's probably not even top five but mm-hmm. for, the, for the fans that go and watch it it's it's they live it they live and breathe every single second of it and and we're i mean the, the podcast zero pucks given covers the the national south one we're kind of like the third tier down okay but, yeah but we're turning up to our home games you know thousand people in the rink banging the glass screaming and shouting and and this is for well like the seventh most popular sport in the country so it's yeah yeah it still does all right and i think hockey fans just live and breathe it more than most that's obviously. awesome yeah, I wish I wish when I lived over there that I was able to catch something. I like I, I heard kind of little rumors that there was a league out there, but I didn't know much about it. And like mostly my time was like I didn't even have internet in my room at the time. It was early two thousands. Like I had to, I would have to like go 
to the school to use the internet, but I think mm. like and that would have um, been the, that would have been uh, dial up dial up as well, wouldn't it? That it made all the burg, rah, rah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think uh, was it Wednesday nights that they would show NHL games at like one in the morning? Yeah, or something. Yeah. Like that. I think Channel Four yeah. of age to show it at silly o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and I think at one point I think because they could never show the Canucks because it would be they would have to show it at like four in the morning or something like that. But they, I think they were playing in the East Coast against some sort of East Coast team, so they were actually able to show a Canucks game. So I did see one Canucks game in the UK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the leagues over here have had quite a lot of restructures of, over the years. Um, we now we kind of have one professional league at the top, uh, the elite yeah. league. Uh, and then there's the national division below it. A lot of the guys are, are, are paid, but they, they have other jobs as well. But that's, that's quite hectic. There's, you know, midweek games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's, yeah. it's quite, it's quite a commitment for people that are working as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. down at our down at our level, we play Saturday, Sunday nights. Normally, home and at home one night away, the the next uh, to try mm. and mix mix it up. We we don't really travel any further than sort of three hours away for an away game. Yeah. So it's uh, yes. So you play in that that third tier league. Yeah, the team I follow do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, in does it kind of work? Do they make it work like a premiership where a team can uh, go up into the to a higher tier or not? Or no, it's quite similar or... to America. Actually, it's um, yeah. sort of franchised. So if, if you've got the money, you can step yeah. up because you need to you need to train more, you need to pay the players more, you have more games. It, it just costs more to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's been so much restructure over the, over the years here that there's there's teams now in the national that that were in the top division, but they've they've dropped down. There's um, okay, yeah. We had a team in our league last year in Bristol, which is probably that would have been our furthest away trip, about four hours. But they had yeah. enough money, so they stepped up and they're doing quite well in the national league. So it's yeah, it's still we still have we have playoffs, cup fixtures and stuff. It's still um yeah. we've only got eight teams in our league, but it still feels sort of September to April. Yeah. Yeah, we get a lot yeah, of that, Is there uh like when I was there and someone told me about it, that they, they said that there are a lot of Canadians that play in the league? In the elite league, the professionals, yeah, there's a lot of Canadians, um, yeah. particularly at Belfast in Northern Ireland, because um, Adam Keith is their coach, Sheldon Keith's brother. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He he's their coach. So there's a lot of Canadians in in Belfast. But yeah, um, I should try to watch the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ever get into the UK, there is there is plenty to watch. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, on a weekend, you could probably easily find a game. Yeah, it's, uh, none of it's televised anymore. A lot of the teams are going because the world has gone so online now that a lot of yeah. the teams they stream their games live on the internet. Um, so YouTube channels and that are just doing solid stuff for it over here, really. Which is yeah, is yeah. I'll have to see if I can catch a stream then. Yeah, because we 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 have, we've got a Canadian lad at Chelmsford, um, who he was at Arizona Arizona State University. Yeah, and he's he's come and joined us over here, and he actually, I was speaking to him today because he wants to know how his mum and dad can watch the games. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I was like, it's, everything's on YouTube. It's probably not live, might be highlights, yeah. but just YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but, um, well, yeah, I'll start. I'll start rolling through these listener questions if that's okay, man. Yep. Um, Harriet Andrews has asked, "What's your favorite ice hockey film? Obviously, ducks or otherwise." Um. Hmm. I think, I mean, hmm. it's hard to say. I think it would have to be Ducks, mostly because, like, I can't really remember any other films. Like, I remember watching uh, Youngblood, hmm. and I thought that was a crazy movie, like, with the fight at the end and stuff like that. And uh, and Miracle is a pretty amazing uh, movie. Actually, you know what? It's... Uh, I think it's called The Rocket, the movie about Rocket Richard. The Rocket. Uh, and it was, yeah, and it was a and it was a Canadian production, and and the guy that played Rocket Richard was amazing, and it was it's a great story of, about uh, about him and the Montreal Canadian uh, Canadians, and also like the kind of like the the French and the Anglo kind of divide uh, sort of thing. So it kind of had some kind of political aspects to it. Um, but it, but yeah, it was just uh, it's pretty cool, um, 
watching that part of history for the Montreal Canadiens and like how he came up and and created almost like a platform for French Canadians to like, I don't know if they had less rights or something like that, but just like for them to, to uh, speak their mind and stuff like that. So it, it, yeah. was, a, it was a, it's a really good movie. You should check it out if you haven't. No, yeah. I've, I've not seen that one. I'll certainly put that on my list. Uh, Max artist has asked how much of the skating did you guys actually do? Like in the sort of the game scenarios. And, um, and he's, he has spotted a uh, a little incontinuity that we'll get to actually after this. <laughs> yeah, in uh, in uh, in D two, I mean, like I think for the most part, if you could see our faces, we would be doing it. Yeah, and you and if you didn't, it might be a double. Uh, and if it was anything remotely dangerous, then it would be a double. Yeah, of course. Yeah, all the all the hits and the boarding and all the yeah. illegal stuff that went on that no one ever got penalties for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but he's also said, "Have you ever noticed, which I'm assuming you probably have, on the scene? I think it's from the the final against Iceland in D two. After Mendoza breaks away on his own and stops in front of the net and shoots, that his mm-hmm. handed his handedness swaps." doesn't <laughs> apparently so I, I say i was researching today i didn't get to that part just yet to see but apparently as he's on the breakaway he goes from being right-handed to left-handed to right-handed to left-handed <laughs> interesting like i thought they were pretty good at making sure the doubles were or at least shooting on the right side <laughs> but <laughs> i guess yeah i'll have to check that out yeah i'm gonna have to check it out myself uh sophia gatland has asked sophia is also known as the sign girl uh, at Chumps with Chieftains home games. She creates cardboard signs with messages on or pictures that she shows up. She's absolutely yeah. terrific. She's, she's got a couple of ducks ones actually that I'll send you once we're done. Cause one of them is, okay. is your, one of them is themed to you. Um, <laughs> and she's asked, did you get to choose the number that you, that Ken Wu wore or were they all assigned to you? Uh, I got to choose. I don't know why or how, I think I just, I might've mentioned it, but the reason why I chose 16 was because of Trevor Linden for the Vancouver Canucks. So he was the captain, I think between either, I think 89 and like up to 97 or something like that. And he's the captain that led uh, the Canucks to the finals in 94. So he, he was a, he was a hero of mine. So like when I was given the opportunity or just, demanded the opportunity to pick a number i was like can i be 16 <laughs> and they're like yeah sure so that's why ken Boo is 16 i'm not too sure if anybody else got to choose the numbers um i feel like probably adam banks probably didn't probably because the writer was like adam banks needs to be 99 because he's supposed to be as good as gretzky um yeah. which you know pretty much sacrilege for any player to choose 99 well, even plus, when you're a kid. He, he was nine at hawks but then jesse already had nine so yeah he was he was kind of left at the loop, but yeah, I mean, you know, one's allowed to wear the ninety nine all that anymore. So, yeah, and then like I, I, you know, I never really asked if anybody else got to choose, but I, I, my assumption is that they didn't, and that the writer chose it. But mm. then when I showed up, I was like, I'd like to be sixteen, and they're like, Yeah, sure, absolutely, that's brilliant. Because it's something I didn't ask Matt actually, because it would be interesting to know if any of them did get to pick, or it yeah. could be, as you say, the writers could have picks it as part of the backstory of, yeah. of of each character. So that yeah, that would be interesting. Uh Indy has asked, uh, did you guys play many good pranks on set? Um obviously you were involved in the, the shaving foam prank on mm-hmm. on on Dwayne as he slept. So was that taken from something you guys actually did or uh was it all quite calm? <laughs> it it might have been I don't know if I was it might have been something that happened in the locker room. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it did get written in um, because Steve, Steve Brill would kind of like, like just kind of like talk to us and listen to us and do those and like figure out little things to put into scenes and stuff like that. So my assumption would be that, yes, it, it probably happened while we were sitting in the locker room. 
Um, I'm pretty sure if anybody did that to anybody, the makeup artists would have, or, or costumes would have been a little <laughs> more. Um, but yeah, like there was a lot of sleeping time <laughs> in, in between takes and in between whenever we were needed because, you know, there's like however many of us kids, like 10, 10 of us or whatever. And obviously not all of us would be needed at the same time. So like, especially when we're in, um, at the, at the duck pond or the Honda ice center now that they call it, mm. um, we, we used their, the Anaheim locker room and like, we would literally be lying in piles on the ground, sleeping in our hockey gear. And I think <laughs> at one point someone drew like an outline, you know, like, you know, like a crime like scene. A outline. Like, yeah. Someone like lying <laughs> on the ground. I think there's a few pictures out there. Um, I don't know. I think when we were in the arena, when, when they introduced the new ducks and, and, and the four of us were like in our different jerseys and obviously district, the old ducks were in the district five jerseys, but there's a picture of me being taped up by everybody. Like I think <laughs> Josh Garrett and Eldon like all held me down and like just taped me up into a bundle with hockey tape. And then I think Steve Brill walked in and took a picture of it. There was like this other prank where people took like the clothespins that like some of the, some of the gaffers would use and stuff like that. And just like put little notes on it and just like walk along and just like take it to the back of your shirt so that you don't realize that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there was a bunch of hijinks going around and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That actually kind of leads on to, to Kelsey's question. Um, She's she's got a question, but she's also said there's a picture of you and Marguerite, and you have tape all over your mouth. And and I've not seen this picture, but can you enlighten us on that a little bit? I wish I had the memory to know what was happening there, but yeah, <laughs> I think it might have been part of like the pranks where people would tape each other up, and then I think at some point I probably had gotten loose but i was just like you know let's just keep the tape on my mouth for a while and i'll just sit in silence for a while <laughs> maybe in the picture i was like maybe reading a book or something like so i was like I'm, i don't feel like talking right now so i'll just i'll just lie here like this <laughs> yeah. that's great kelsey's also asked do you, do you guys all keep in touch are you, are you regular emails phone calls or whatever just all, all keeping in touch um the i keep in touch with matt every so often um and every once in a while, like on Instagram, if we see a cool picture or someone posted something, I'll just like write a, a small little message and say hi. Um, I would say, yeah, Matt's probably the person I talk to most, but even then it's like once or twice a year. Yeah. Uh, and, and especially like, it's interesting, like when we all got back together for Game Changers and even for the Silver Anniversary, like for that for me, the last time I saw everybody was when we were kids. Um, so it's interesting when we met for game changers, actually being able to sit down with all, um, with that, with that group and talking as adults and like, just like a sort of connection that we never had when we were kids, because when you're kids, like you just talk about whatever, like having fun and stuff like that. But then as adults, you could talk about like, what was your life been like because of Mighty Ducks and like, you know, like the similar experiences that you go through or the different experience for the experiences for the people that still continued their career in acting and sort of stuff like that and like the guidance from that like when I showed up to Game Changers like I told everybody's like I haven't acted in 20 plus years like I'm actually quite nervous like yeah I'm going good <laughs> you know it was, um but uh but yeah, like uh, especially that group. Like I, 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 I shoot a message every once in a while. Um, I have spoken to Sean a little bit, but uh, other than that, I don't think I've talked to many else in a long time. At least not since like the the silver anniversary down in Anaheim. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if you look at the sort of the whole cast, as you say, some of them carried on acting. Obviously, Josh been incredibly successful. Sean's really mm -hmm. had a Sean's had a tough time, hasn't he? And mm -hmm. I, I I reach out to him every now and again, not not to to bug him or say, "Oh, come and talk to me." I just like to know that he's all right because he's he's had a yeah. bit of a tough time. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like he's doing really good right now. He's uh, he's doing a comedy 
he's like he's doing his stand-up stuff and he's touring for that sort of stuff and i think he's he's also using that to bring awareness to the 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 illness that he had the illness yeah. of addiction like that so and i'm really happy to see that he's been able to pull himself out of it he's had a lot of help on the way i know i know matt had quite a bit to do with that and uh and some other people uh and everybody was just pulling for him and everybody was just so heartbroken to hear that he was in that state and i think they we really wanted him to be part of game changers but i think the circumstances led to him not being able to be part of it but uh but he's he's good now um he seems very happy yeah. He's doing lots of signings and I think he's getting a lot of support from fans and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm like, I'm really proud that he's, he's where he's at. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's kind of the, the unspoken about symptom of a, being a child star that if it doesn't mm-hmm. progress. And as you say, you, you took it upon yourself to say, actually, you know what? I'm not going to do this as a job. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to do this. If you, mm-hmm. if you get, if you get yourself lost in it, um, it, it can lead to really dark places. And I'm, I don't think there's enough help out there for the for when it starts because it could start early if you, if you're you know right. a teen a teen star and yeah and then and then nothing happens for you when you're 15 16 you could you could drop very quickly yeah it's it's definitely like a, it's a different world growing up in that world um like there's definitely like privileges and experiences that you get that nobody else. Like very, like only a very small percentage of people get to experience that sort of thing, mm. and it's easily. And you know, in that industry, um, unfortunately, drugs. It it's in the industry, yeah. um, and it's part of it. And it's just uh, being able to, uh, I guess, control it can be difficult. If even if you are successful, it can be difficult. Um, just now you got more money, yeah. To buy, yeah, to, uh, to spend on what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something in the industry that you know maybe isn't talked about much. But uh, you just hope that you have uh, friends and family uh, that would give unwavering support because it, it is. I imagine it is very difficult to deal with someone with addiction because it's just like, it's hard. It's an addiction. Like no matter, even if they want to give up the addiction, it's very difficult to do so. So you just need that unwavering support. And it feels like Sean got that from a number of people and helped pull him out of it. Yeah. And as you say, it's great to see him coming out the other end of it now and and enjoying himself. Yeah. In the right way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, the last little bit I had from the fans, it wasn't a question. It was um, from Josh Moss, who says he met you last year. Doesn't say where, but says he met you last year and that you were an, just an incredibly nice guy, which I can concur with. Hmm. Uh, um, I wonder where, like, because I the only the only place I could think of him meeting me but like does he say if he's from the uk or if he's yeah, from... he's from the uk so i don't know if he was maybe in vancouver on holiday or something but yeah or maybe like i don't remember meeting anybody from the uk but i did the signing in uh, new jersey um last year sometime so maybe then oh, possibly, uh, yeah. yes, i'm sure uh josh moss was his name i'm sure he'll get back in touch once he's heard this yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. But did he have a question, or did he just want to say no, that he met me? He just wanted to say that he met you, and that you were an incredibly nice guy. <laughs> yeah, because I do like I do recollect meeting a Josh at the signing, so I wonder if it's the same person or not. Oh yeah, possibly, possibly. Uh, Justin, I'm so 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 glad that you've given me your time today. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you, digging up all the old sort of Mighty Duck stuff, and uh, and talking about a bit of what's going on now as well. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Lovely. A massive, massive thank you to Justin for joining me all the way from Vancouver. Uh, so it would be early morning for him by the time we've done this. Uh, so it's, he told me he had to get out and walk the dogs before we've done it. So, yeah, completely different time of day here as it is to there. But, yeah, thank you so much to Justin. I hope you guys enjoyed that. 
obviously available everywhere you get your podcasts and it'll be on YouTube as well. Uh, we'll be back next week after the weekend's games with all the normal stuff, the match reports, the goals, the coaches' thoughts, and a cracking interview for next week. Uh, next week, one for everybody, really, particularly probably in Victor Dynamos and Chancellor Chieftains fans. Next week, I'll be joined by Stano Laschek, so make sure you come back and check that out. So that's it for this one. I'll see you next time. Podcast Network.